Well, welcome back to Raising Up the Next Generation. I'm your host, Dan McPherson, and on the show today is Jeff Reed. In June of 2000, Jeff led his first online Bible study using a text-based system called Ultimate BB, and that got him into online church, and he has been doing that ever since. In 2018, he founded the church.digital, which has helped churches find their calling through digital discipleship. Um, It releases people on digital mission, planting, multiplying digital churches. He's the director of Meta for Leadership Network and works closely with Exponential as well as other globally facing, multiplication-friendly, gospel-centric organizations. And Jeff and his family live in Miami, Florida. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, that was a mouthful. Well, well said on all of that. But no, thanks. It's it's great to be here. I practiced for um, for ten minutes beforehand. So awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I I was telling you off air. I use this podcast as a selfish way to just sit down with people who I'd love to talk with and learn from. And and you are one of those people. I have been intrigued by digital church, metaverse church for a long time. And um, so thanks so much for saying yes. Let's for for a lot of people, the the metaverse will be confusing or no one will someone might not even know what that is. So let's just start there. What is the metaverse? What do we mean when we say that? Sure. So the metaverse typically is is in reference to a group of technology that's called Web3. Um, okay. Now let's let's even back up. Web one was like the World Wide Web. It was like in the early, late '90s, early 2000s when everybody was digitizing all their books and and launching a website. And we were using search engines like Ask Jeeves and Alta Vista. AOL <laughs> was a thing. Netscape browsers like you know Napster was like the the forbidden fruit. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. that was the Web one era. And and so after that became Web two which is now social media. I remember like when when people were friendly on Facebook and, and yes. like you could have a conversation on Twitter without like despising the entire planet. Um, right. It went like community was, was, was wholesome. And so that's really was the Web 2 era, the 2005 to 2020, somewhere in there. Um, and now where metaverse is indicative of Web 3. And this is technology like virtual reality, augmented reality, blockchain, crypto, DAOs, artificial intelligence. Uh, and so it's now it's this new suite of software. Some's released, some is yet really to be released in a major way. But what it is, it's now the age of experiences. We've moved from mm-hmm. the age of information with Web 1 into the age of community with Web 2 and now into the age of, of experiences and what that's going to mean moving forward. And so when you talk about like digital churches, for example, you're talking about churches that are utilizing digital technology uh, or being in digital community like Facebook groups or or Discord or, or streaming using Twitch. And then when you talk about metaverse churches, now you're talking about churches that are existing in virtual reality communities. Uh, and then there's actually there are some really bleeding edge guys doing some interesting stuff with block and crypto. I don't know if we're going to get there in this one, but like there's, uh, these are people that are utilizing metaverse technology uh, in, in ways to, to do, and to also be the church in those spaces. Mm, Wow. Yeah. That's super helpful for me. I, I had not really um, put all of that together. So church, how has thinking about web one and web three, you've kind of been in all of those spaces so how has ministry for you changed from the beginning um, as you have kind of walked through all of those spaces? Let's just start there with you personally and how ministry has changed. Sure. And, and there there is different seasons for it. Uh, it was funny, just uh, maybe six months ago, I was having a, I was having a conversation with a pastor that I was inviting their, their church to be part of a a learning community that we were doing in uh, on virtual reality, and and the pastor looked at me and, and and he said, Jeff, our church can barely get Web two right. Like we're still stuck in a in a Web one world. There's no way we can get to Web three. Yeah. We're we're not ready for that conversation. And, and so sadly, a lot of lot of our our ministry still is 
centered around, hey, we're going to put on a website information about what discipleship looks like in our physical buildings. Mm. And so so realize that for, for a lot of churches, the, the goal is not to do discipleship. The goal is not to really do ministry in digital space. The goal is to use social media as an advertising channel to drive people into the physical space. And that is very much a web one philosophy. Talk about what you're doing online. With the advent of web two, uh, really became the idea of community in digital space that you can be relational, you can be engaging, you can dialogue, uh, you can exist in digital community with these relationships. And, and that's really a, a lot of what the church has struggled with today, um, where no, we don't we don't believe in discipling people in digital space that you have to breathe the same air molecules to really see discipleship value. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I would even say for the people that do church in digital space and for the people that actually are strong proponents of, of discipleship in church and physical space only, they quote the same scripture. It, it's the it's the don't abandon the gathering, don't forsake the gathering of, of, of believers. Both of them will use the exact same scripture to reinforce their points. Digital church says, hey, we're not abandoning gathering. We are gathering. We can function as an ecclesiologically stable church in this space. At the same time as you've got the people saying, no, you're abandoning. You're doing the exact same thing that you say that, that you don't want to do. This is why you need to do it physical. And, and it's this, it is fascinating when you step back and you actually watch like the two factions. You know, I'm overstating a little bit for drama, but they they war over mm. who's right and who's wrong and 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 listen I've had plenty of shots fired at me uh, on uh, from from some sides and and it's this really rich fascinating idea because for a large section of church and especially some of our our church leaders today who are ironically paying off you know mortgages on church buildings and things like that they struggle with the idea of discipleship in digital space. They struggle with the idea of digital community being a community that's worthy of a church. Hmm. Man, that is, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, and, and I want to, I want to kind of get, get to some of that later in kind of how, kind of what that could look like for, for churches. So maybe thinking about the, I was talking with someone the other day who was really kind of talking to me about VR church church in the in the metaverse they were asking me you know what is have you heard anything about that and i said well funny that you ask cuz i'm going to be sitting down to talk with someone about that so so what does that what does that look like yeah um with with VR church with kind of church in this web3 experiential space what does that what does that maybe just start with kind of some nuts and bolts type stuff what yeah. equipment do you need what does the service look like the experience that's had well what's what's interesting is is the way that the church is currently showing virtual reality churches the way that the church is operating is actually very similar to what a physical church service would would look like um you know we've built literal church buildings in the space as a matter of fact there was one of one of the churches that that we built um actually was they sent us the blueprint of their physical church building and said can you can you scale this in virtual reality and so it looks very much like the the physical church building almost the scale uh and so you've got you'll you'll spawn into the virtual reality world you'll be greeted by a, a greeter a volunteer uh, you'll be uh, escorted into a, into the building. You'll sit down in a seat. You'll you'll watch uh, video worship or live worship musical. You'll see uh, a teaching of a service. Uh, sometimes it's video teaching. Sometimes it's live teaching, taught by an avatar. But if you look at the event of a physical church and an event of a virtual reality church service, typically they're very close together, and, and there's not. That's not the controversial aspects of, of a virtual reality church. Now, when when I say things like, "Oh yeah, we there are there are people that have been baptized in virtual reality." Oh yeah, there are churches that do communion regularly in virtual reality. You know, as you get more into the ecclesiological nature of of what a church is, this is where 
you know, some people start to, to really get worked up, mm. um, you know, and a lot of their concerns, to be honest, um, I, I don't know that they hold much theological weight. Uh, and, and a lot of times, to be honest, it's the same thing in physical space as, as in virtual, a lot, a lot of the concerns. People will ask questions like, um, well, Jeff, you don't actually know who that person is. Uh, they they could be hiding something inside and not not being open about it because you just know them in avatar form, and, and you know as a Baptist I would say yeah, but I could say the same thing about you know fifty percent of the back row at, at your physical worship center. Uh, who knows what's going on in their mind? They may be tapped out or half asleep in the in in the room. At least you know with with the the avatar, if somebody's not engaged, they they have the ability to leave to remove themselves from from the equation, uh, and so there's. There's a lot of opportunities, um, I, th I think, for the church in the space of virtual reality. What what's happening is that people are are applying imagination. Mm -hmm. Where I, I really do believe this. Where we're not, I, I believe that one day I will stand before God and and with a clear conscience talk about some of the things that we're doing in this space. Like the the people that are in the space, the the pastors, the planters, the practitioners. They're so passionate about following the bible about digging into this about the ecclesiological methods of this um we're reimagining what it looks like yeah a uh, communion can look differently a communion can look differently in digital space too the first communion my my son ever did uh was during the covid season and and he uh was through an online service and, and the only thing we had in the house was coca-cola and a cauliflower wafer don't judge on the cauliflower. He's he's gluten intolerant. <laughs> but uh, the fact is, is that that was my son's first communion experience. And was it was it representative of what God calls us to do? What I can tell you is a man looks on the outward appearance and the Lord looks on the heart. And so what we're doing in this space, um, how we're doing it. I, I mean, I can tell you stories in virtual reality where Atheists and agnostics are, are, are attending church for the first time in decades. I can tell you stories of Satanists and neo-pagans who came in to troll a church service and, and eventually have found Christ and are now actively helping to plant new churches in, in some of these virtual reality worlds. Like there is documented proof that God is moving in virtual reality. And, and by the way, for, for those, and, and I'll throw this at you, Dan, I tell this every once in a while, for the people that are like, God, God can't move in virtual reality because it's not real. Um, like, let's just draw that, that argument. I hear that all the time. It's God cannot move in virtual reality because it's not real. It's virtual. If Mark Zuckerberg, in fact, and, and, and the, the scientists and, and the technicians that have created, if the box has been created by man that God cannot enter, we are in a serious heap of trouble. Like mm. the theological argument, when you extend that idea out, if God cannot really go into the metaverse, if in fact we can now hide from God in that space, like think long and hard. Is that something we really want to say? Mm. The fact is, is God's in this space. God's moving in and amongst us. Uh, and, and we're seeing the fruit of that on a regular basis in virtual reality. Man, so many questions. I uh, well, let me let me start with um, with something that I had actually written down beforehand, and then I'll then I'll um, throw some questions out based on some things you've you've said already. But um, so for for my churches, um, it, this is this is a reality, um, and I, for many many other churches as well. COVID forced us to begin streaming our services online. And it had been something that we had been talking in in all reality, it should have happened a long time ago. But um but COVID COVID really forced us to do that. So how what is what's the difference between church in the metaverse through virtual reality and a streaming a service? Obviously one is with a VR headset. One is just watching a a screen, for, so they're different in that aspect. But maybe from an experiential um, point, do you is is one more robust than the other? Is one kind of talk through what some differences, yeah. some pros and cons? So if if you're if you're talking the actual service elements, 
um i mean yeah you can stream a video in from uh a, a physical church service you know life church for a season stream the video into uh, a, a world that's called um alt space vr hmm. and so they tried the video aspects a very strong video and what's interesting is that particular world alt space they really don't like video like the the people in that space they they would rather have an avatar preaching live than than video and, and so Craig Groeschel is not going to put on a headset and preach in virtual reality every week. And so they moved and that's not a knock on Craig. It's just, it's, it's the reality. It's not happening. Yep. And so right. they moved from uh, the alt space world, which is run by Microsoft. And instead now they're doing it in big screen where there is more of a, of a video tolerance uh, for, for services. And so that's, you know, one, one of the, the transitions of what it would, what it would look like, but in when the you churches say, that when are you successful, say tolerance, when you say, well, when you say they're not, is it just the people who are in those spaces are yeah. are more open? Um, what do you mean by that exactly? Sure, I, and and this really gets down to the audience. Yeah. Um, so you know, Dan, Dan, where do you live? Lexington, Kentucky. Okay, uh, so my my dad went to school at uh, at Western Kentucky over in Bowling Green. Yeah, and so I've I've I mean, I'm not comparing the two, but even it's interesting. Lexington, Kentucky is is a is a, a larger city. Mm-hmm. Bowling Green may have population two hundred and fifty people outside of the <laughs> outside of the school, and and so I currently live in Miami, Florida. So if I'm going to plant a church in Miami, Florida, it's going to look with the multicultural aspects. Sixty percent Hispanic here. The uh, me as as a white kid growing up, I wouldn't get a job. I could not get a job because I, I know habla espanol. And uh, and so I'm uh, as as a as a white male, I'm the minority in my city, and currently. And, and so if we're gonna if we're gonna plant a church, uh, it's gonna look completely different than if we planted in, in Lexington where you are, and it's gonna look completely different than if we planted in Bowling Green. Sure. So what this means to virtual reality is these different worlds that exist: um, big screen, alt space, uh, alt space VR, rec room, VR chat, Facebook Horizons. They all are are as different as Miami, Florida, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, and and Bowling Green. Huh. And so they have strengths and they have weaknesses. There are are traits. There's target audiences. If you're interested, you in student ministry, you're probably interested more in rec room. Rec room is uh, is built in popularity because of Xbox virtual reality and PlayStation virtual reality. So and and it leans a little younger in the art. It's more like. Um, uh, Nintendo Wii style art. Mm. You can do things like uh, you can play uh, a lot of paintball. There's a lot of kind of like those types of games aimed at at the younger generation. And so I kind of joke, if you want to get cussed out by a preteen, you want to hang out over in in Rec Room. That's more likely to happen <laughs> in, in that space. Uh, Alt Space is uh, 18 to 85. It's owned by Microsoft. Very strong parental controls and so if like it's it's virtual reality on training wheels if you're going to go into virtual reality for the first time you want to meet some people download the alt space app and you don't even need to download the app you can even act download the software and run it from your computer so you don't even need the headset you can get into alt space uh with a keyboard kind of walking around and, and meet people and get a feel for it and then there's there's then there's vr chat vr chat's the the red light district. It's the wild, wild west. Is it's it's been called as well. Uh, forty to it's been estimated forty fifty percent of people are having sex in virtual rooms, private rooms. Uh, in in uh, in VR chat, there is no parental controls whatsoever. It's not owned by any major corporation, so there's very little accountability. Uh, to walk around seeing a, a pregnant av- or a naked avatar, uh, scantily clad lingerie type of thing is common. Um, and by the by the way, that's the most popular world in, in, in my book. I, I wrote a book on on churches and virtual reality. Um, it's called uh, uh, Virtual Reality in the Metaverse Church. But I told a story of a girl in there who actually was was raped in VR chat, or at least I don't I don't know how you're raped in, in virtual. But whatever happened to her in virtual reality was so strong, was so lasting that even hearing the word virtual uh, VR chat four to five years after the event caused her, triggered her and caused a, a major physical reaction. And wow. so like these are, these can be very damaging dark areas. By the way, if you're going to go do 
you know, ministry in, in inner city, New York City, um, you know, in, in some of the more urban areas, or you can go do ministry in San Francisco, like you're going to be going into difficult environments, no disrespect mm-hmm. to those those cities. But it's not that we should ignore those cities, that we should run away from those cities. Some need to get called and some will be sent to that city. And we often talk about, you know, Jonah, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. God, yeah. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh, but it took a, a fish to get him there. Right. And, and so for, for many of us, there are opportunities to, to go into space and, and God will be calling us to go that way. Man, so good. So good. So what does what does planting a church look like in digital spaces? How does that, uh, how do you do that? Do you, what's the, what's the process there? Yeah. Uh, so right, right off the bat, it's recognizing that digital, that metaverse, that virtual realities, that they are communities. Uh, and there are, there are strengths and weaknesses. There's personalities, there's traits, there's characteristics to that. Uh, you know, if somebody wanted to launch a, a Facebook church, for example, in, in digital, um, you know, Facebook, if, if, if social media networks were nations, Facebook would be the largest nation on the planet. Mm-hmm. If you took every person who lives in China and every person who lives in India and put them under one roof, Facebook would still be larger. Wow. Like this is the massiveness of, yeah. of what Facebook is. And so to say, Hey, Dan, I'm going to plant a church and my goal is to reach all of Facebook. <laughs> there's no way it's the goal to try to reach someone in, in digital metaverse. It's not big, it's small. And, and so the, the, uh, Seth Godin who's actually not a Christian talks about this to get your, your message heard around the world. You want to craft a message specifically for someone, tell that message to someone, get them to hear it, understand it, and then get them to tell someone else. There's a multiplication approach targeted with someone specifically, by the way, that's how Jesus built his church a couple thousand years ago. So I'm not saying that Seth Godin finally caught up with God, but you know, maybe it's, we're kind of there. Um, so where we're going with this, if we're going to plant the church, figure out who we want to reach, what the type of person, the persona is in digital, and then reach that. The, the beauty is, is that you won't be limited to that persona. You're going to grow past it, but the focus will help you be able to connect with people and build that that foundation. And so whether you're talking about gamer churches or, or churches that are aimed at, at de-churched or churches that are aimed, you know, I've got a friend that's running a, a church that's aimed at, at Filipino uh, creatives. He, he lives in the Philippines and he's reaching millennial creatives in, in the Philippines. I've, I've got another friend that's starting a church that's aimed at connecting um, Nigerian refugees, displaced Nigerian refugees around the around the planet. I've got mm. another guy that's doing a church that's aimed at people who like barbecue. And, and so like there's all sorts of different expressions and, and, and types. But what's interesting is, is that we're able to utilize our influence and our passion for the kingdom to help people get connected into God, to help people get connected into disciple making and the multiplication uh, opportunities. And, and if that gets people connected into a physical expression, great. If that stays in, in a digital, this may be controversial, but once again, that's great as well. But as we look at these communities, you know, especially in virtual reality, I told somebody the other day, I was like, hey, if you're really interested in, in, uh, in doing virtual reality, take the time and put on a headset and prayer walk virtual reality. Drop into some of these worlds, meet some people, shake some hands, learn about them. If you don't know who God's calling you to reach. Well, I've got friends that have planted churches in physical and they would like, he drove around Akron, Ohio. He drove around three or four cities, literally like with a camera interviewing people, shaking hands until he felt that God was calling him to, to Columbus. And that's where he planted his church. Well, if you are interested in virtual reality, why, why don't, why don't you do that? See, see if that's where God's leading you. Talk to some of the people there and see what, what God lays on your heart. Prayer walk, meet some of these people do the experience uh, of um, connecting with people. See, see where God leads. Mm. Man. So good. So you might, I'm sure you hear from people regularly. Well, we can have a service on virtual reality. Sure. But discipleship, discipleship happens in person, in small groups, so how does discipleship work in virtuality? Surely we can't do discipleship 
in in those ways. What do you say to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear that all the time. Actually, that's uh, writing a book on that. That's book number three coming out um, in August. Uh, the fact is that we do see discipleship happening in digital space. Now, in, in fairness to our, our virtual reality friends, nobody really likes the way that they look in those headsets. And so the reality that we're going to wear those VR goggles 24-7, 365, that's at least not where we are now. Maybe when Apple comes out with their Apple Glass or we get a better form factor, we can can get somewhere. Uh, but for, for now, where we actually see a lot of that discipleship, discipleship happening are on platforms like discord or zoom or, or google hangout um, where you're getting people out of avatar form and starting to get people connected in, in physical space there is mm. there is some level of of discipleship that is happening there are some that are doing it sitting around tables in virtual reality uh, vr chat actually is designed to kind of facilitate those types of conversations. And so some do do it in VR, some do do it as well digitally. And, and to be honest, it doesn't look that different than physical discipleships. There are some churches that, you know, would, would discipleships more driven off of um, uh, a, a group or a class where they're, we're discussing material and there are churches that are doing that in virtual reality and, and in discord. There are some where it's more one-on-one conversations, one-on-three conversations, uh, more intimate, more designed for multiplication and replication. That's happening as well. Um, I, you know, I can tell you a guy, a guy that is actually in the process of discipling thousands of people um, through, you know, groups that are discipling groups that are discipling groups in, in a multiplication process, uh, and it's happening on Discord. And his goal is to reach a, a million. Uh, video gamers. There's there's another guy that creates YouTube videos uh, on how to share your faith, and, and so and he's done that uh, via YouTube channel and his iPhone sitting in a car. His uh, video studio is his car, and, and he's got tens of thousands of people that he is equipping with resources uh, on on how to share the faith, and he's he's discipling in that approach. It's more one way with YouTube, uh, but there's plenty of opportunities to have two way conversations dialoguing conversations, relationship, disciple-making, relational-level conversations in, in digital metaverse space. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, so for for people who would say, well, it can only happen in physical spaces, I think that's right there. Obviously, we hear, we, I think, for me personally, maybe is just a, that maybe I I am thinking too small, maybe. Uh, that you know you you said earlier um the word imagination or um creativity of thinking outside the box uh is is maybe that's the first hurdle the first step um is to is to realize and ask the question could there be could there be more which i think then leads to kind of my next question, and there are you've you've kind of touched on a lot of different avenues that churches can be in digital spaces, but who is there a specific type of church? Is there a specific size of church who's in a physical space in a in a building meeting physically? Maybe we have a streaming a live streaming of a service. Maybe we don't, but who? Who should enter into digital spaces as a church? Yeah. Is this like every single church should be doing this, or is this, you know, only only some, or maybe, yeah, I'll just leave it there and pitch it yeah, back to you. That's 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 a great question. Um, what I would tell you is that digital. I think every church should have a presence in digital. Um, I don't, and and for many, that's the church service. Uh, and, and, and I would actually suggest that the church service is probably not the most effective presence for you to be digital. I would I am far more excited and we've seen far more better results with churches that are discipling in digital space as opposed to the church service. Talk Nobody a little cares bit about, about your talk yeah. a little bit about but, that. What does that look like? So, I mean, you're you what if your small group, if your church disciples via small groups run that digitally. If you because digital is so strong when it comes towards a relational context, and, and that relational context is actually not present in the church service. Mm. If, when I'm watching it online, 
if I don't like we, we say, oh, my gosh, Jeff, I, I don't want to do online services because people can watch church in isolation. Great. Don't do your church service, but don't give up on digital. Mm. Lean in on the discipleship practices, disciple making, whatever that looks like for your church and try that in digital. Well, Jeff, but then what's happening is that my my people are physical and they would rather do it physical. So nobody comes to the digital. Like that could be true. But what we're actually finding is when we really lean into digital discipleship, we're reaching different types of people. Like if you want to really be missional and expand, extend your church, looking at the missional implications of digital and, and reaching and doing what we're describing here towards discipleship, multiplication and releasing them. This is where we see more people reaching the guy that hasn't been in the church in a, in a church building in a decade. Uh, the the neo-pagan that doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. The atheist that wants to ask questions, just doesn't want to go to a, a church building to find out. And so this is where uh, the church can succeed. And what's what's fascinating is what I just described. If I said it to a, a, a pastor of a 10,000-person church, he would struggle or she would struggle with it because it's it's countercultural to what the large church is. Now, a small church should thrive in this environment because mm. what is a small church good at relationships mm -hmm. cool hey build those relationships online don't try to compete with the big boys doing the doing the service you will never and listen i'm a video guy i know what it does to do a a, a mega giga church worship service online i know what that looks like you'll never compete but you're better than them because you can be relational in ways that the big guys can't be in virtual reality, I can tell you that I know a 10,000-person church that's very successful doing virtual reality ministry. I know a 1,000-person church that's very successful doing virtual reality ministry. I know a 250-person church that is very successful doing uh, virtual reality church. And, and then there's another church that is a plant completely on its own. It's run by two bivocational guys. They have no budget funding whatsoever, and they are doing an incredible job. And so it's not so much about the size of the physical church. It's it's more of, is God calling you to that? And, and then leaning into, into that calling. A big church or a small church has the resources to make this happen. Mm -hmm. It really depends upon you know uh, leaning in. Uh, in finding the people, the persons of peace within your church that are excited about this ministry, leaning into the opportunities, positioning yourself as the learner, and uh, waiting and seeing what God does as a result. So during COVID, we, as as so many others around the world did, is move to Zoom things. You and I are recording on Zoom right now. I love Zoom for so many reasons, but we've also, you know, the Zoom fatigue is is a real thing. And so when you when you talk about doing discipleship digitally, uh churches leaning into small groups digitally, are you talking about something like Zoom? Or are you talking about something like virtual reality through a headset? What or maybe are both? What are you kind of yeah. when you think about that, what are you where are you going? Sure. And this this comes back to the who is God calling you to to reach? Yeah. So Dan, like you're this is a student ministry podcast. Uh, and so if I'm trying to connect with 13 to 18 year olds, I'm not using Zoom uh, because Zoom equals school from 2020 to 2022. <laughs> they're not they're not interested in that. Yeah. Um, you know, the oldest digital church I know of actually operates out of a platform that's called Roblox. Uh, it's the equivalent of Minecraft kind of thing. And mm. so um, it's it, it, a 11-year-old kid created it a decade ago. And 10 years, 11 years later, it's still around. It's actually been handed off to somebody else because the guy who created it, Daniel, discovered he was too old to run a church on Roblox. And so he handed it off to somebody else. He aged out at age 21. It's crazy. Um, but it's reached, at last check, it reached seventy to 80,000 students. Wow. In its lifetime. So Roblox all of a sudden, which is equivalent of a video game. So you can do church in, in a video game. Like there, there are people that are experimenting right now with, with rust 
with Black Desert Online, with Final Fantasy. There's even, a, like, I, I can tell you about Fortnite Bible studies. I can tell you about people that, that are doing this in, in Among Us. I, there's even a church that was trying to operate out of Grand Theft Auto. Uh, I'm not sure I'm okay with GTA Church <laughs> right. in, in the grand scheme of things. Like, right. that, in, in all the crazy stuff I talk about, that's the one thing that's like, Let's actually pause about that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I gotta yeah, go. Yeah. I gotta go kill the pimp, and then I'm, I'm going to church. Like it just. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know that I'm feeling that one. Yeah. But what's what I love here is that we're thinking outside of the box and we're experimenting with something different. Can we? Can we utilize virtual reality? Can we utilize population one? Can we utilize? How can we utilize Fortnite to connect with um, a, a different type of of person? How can we? Um, reach people missionally that we're not reaching before. Um, this is really the heart of of what, to me, this is what I believe student ministry needs to look like. Just to hone in on that, mm. um, and and it's yes, that looks completely different than what's happening in our physical buildings. Well, guess what? What's happening in our physical buildings is not going to reach everyone. And if we actually want to be missional about reaching different people, then we need to do different things. The building is only going to be as effective in, in reaching the people that it can. By the way, even building on student ministry, I, I've actually, and, and Dan, as you're a, a student pastor, hear this well, um, the digital ministries that I've seen be effective in reaching students aren't aren't l physically led, like from the front. They're not led by adults. They're led by students. Yeah. Uh, the credibility of students leading students in digital space is far more effective than than adults reaching and leading out to students like like at some level there's even the creepy factor in, in digital and virtual space with with uh with leaders adults in in the space and so we've had to you know intentionally even coach through that of hey like you may be the guy in the background leading things or you may be the girl that's developing the strategy but that doesn't mean you have to be the face mm. realize that you need to position others to be that face to really be effective in in, in connecting yeah Good word, for sure. Yeah, students students draw other students, and something powerful happens with things that are student-led. I completely completely agree there. So we talked about Web 1, Web 2, Web 3. Project into the future. What does Web 4 look like, or how are things changing? Where do you see, um, maybe in two aspects, one, just the world. Where is the world going from a technological experiential level? And then maybe where do you see church in, in 10 years, 20 years? Yeah. Such, such a good question. Um, by the way, the students that you're working with, Dan, you know, I, I was doing a podcast with Leonard Sweet the other day, uh, oh, dropping yeah. that name totally, but you know, he's, he's been a guy <laughs> that I've, I've geeked out with. Um, uh, like he was influential with me 20 years ago with with his book Soul Tsunami, and I, I met him, and I was like, "Hey, be on my podcast," because he's the guy that I wanted to talk with. And so, yeah, exactly, awesome. But but he said he's he's like Jeff. Do you realize that that the the students that we're working with now have a 60 percent chance to be alive in the 22nd century? And 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 I, and I looked at Leonard Sweet, and I said, "No, I had not. I had not put that together. That we are literally today." Uh, shaping spiritual development for the 22nd century, and, wow. and that's that's a, that's an overwhelming thought as as we're walking in. Um, I mean, look the 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 uh, the I, I've asked people um, like when when is when is all this going to work out? Like biblical scholars tell me, Jeff, the ecclesiology of of the virtual reality church of of the of the digital church, it's going to take 10 to 20 years to get this thing figured out. Like as much as I want to go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And as much as really culture is, let's go, let's go, let's go. Things just move so much faster now, even post-COVID. Um, and, and the church really struggles to to adapt to this. So so you're like asking me, what's the church going to look like in 10 to 20 years? Um, if I'm honest, it's probably going to look exactly the way that it does now. <laughs> like I think you're going to see the, I think you're going to see some of the pendulum shift, but I, I think that we're going to be wrestling with a bunch of this stuff uh, in the in the years to come and it's it, it it's going to take these these massive shifts like covid coronavirus like it was to really push us forward because we're so hesitant to move there on our own hmm. what what's an interesting parallel 
is that what's culture going to look like in the next 10 to 20 years? Yeah. And, and, and I would say to that, that culture is going to continue to decentralize. There is, and, and, and the metaverse, I wrote about this in my book as well. Um, the, the metaverse is bringing out a bunch of cultural shifts. I mean, think about it. Blockchain and crypto exist solely because we do not trust corporations. We do not trust governments. We do not trust uh, organizations. Mm -hmm. Freaking um, Elon Musk comes in to be the savior of Twitter and then becomes the curse of Twitter within 72 hours of, right. of taking the job. Now, whether he was doing a good job, bad job, like I can, I can make either argument. That's not the point. The point is, is that we don't trust the big guys. Uh, we don't trust Zuckerberg. For some reason at this point, Apple has managed to stay out of it. But honestly, I think that's because Apple and Tim Cook don't have anything to do with social media and they're not yeah. targets yeah. as a result of it. And, and so realizing, hey, we don't, we individuals, we don't trust governments, corporations, and organizations. And you know what we don't trust? We don't trust churches. Even within today, 2022, I've seen the stat. I'm going to butcher the numbers, but I think it came from Barna. 57% of people that are active in your church strongly trust church leadership. That's not that bad of a stat, but the reciprocal of it is pretty scary. 43% of the people that actively attend that are sitting in your pew Sunday morning cannot say that they strongly trust church leadership. That's a ridiculously high percentage from people that are supposed to be getting spiritual guidance from you, yeah. pastor. And, and so this is starting to show that it's not about the mass and it's not about some of these things that it once was the mass being the, this huge gathering, because we don't like big, we like small and, and it's, and it's not even pastor. Unfortunately, it's not about you and the message you're portraying. Let's not get upset that people are not in, in your building. Instead, let's focus more on, on giving people spiritual purpose when they're not in your building hmm. and, and starting to equip them on that. And so as, as much as we want to play the playbook of 2020, let's get back to the golden age. And when everybody was coming to church, by the way, December 20, or, uh, 2020, we were 25% down in church over the previous 23 years. <laughs> like we were, we were down to the right, not up and to the right. Uh, and so it was not the golden age. We were falling apart, limping into COVID and COVID blew it up. Mm -hmm. So why do we think that doing the same thing again is going to bring back different results. Uh, the idea of decentralizing, empowering individuals on mission. Maybe, maybe the thing that unites us as a church is not the church service that's been decreasing over decades. Maybe instead what should unite us is discipleship. What does it look like to create and empower and release disciples? How, as a church, how can we encourage people to be on mission? Not, not the church's mission, but their mission. And how can we, the church, help these people realize what God is calling them to do, even if it's outside of the scope of what we think we as a church should be doing? Mm. Uh, it's it's a, a radical idea, but the churches that are leaning strong into this, once again, are churches that are reaching different people than the building are reaching. Yeah. And so what does the next 10 years look like? For a church that's going to let go of their models and their playbooks and are going to experiment to reach something different, I think they're going to do well because they're going to be successful because they're not running the same playbook. The reality is, is that the playbook isn't going to get us new Christians. It's not going to help us expand our mission. The playbook's going to get us the people that are already connected to the church. Yeah. Uh, and there's only so long we can run that play before we literally run out of people. Right. So right. hope that was helpful. Yeah, it was. Do you have a sense of where the technology will be um, in the next, What what's the next phase of technology? You you mentioned, I think at the very beginning, some, um, I can't remember exactly what technology you talked about, but something that hadn't quite been invented yet, but maybe yeah. you saw on the horizon. And you talked about Apple Glass or Google Glass or whatever that looks like. Kind of project in the future. What do you see as um, as kind of the next from a technology standpoint? Yeah, the probably the the next shift you're going to see is is the uh, augmented reality is what that's called, or what technically what Apple's working on is called mixed reality. Augmented reality is like the mapping 
of uh, user interfaces into your physical reality. And so Google Glass was an example of that. Apple Glass will be an example of that, where, for example, you put on a pair of glasses that has augmented reality built in, you open up your Google Maps, and as you look at the road in front of you, Google Maps is going to have the line that you're driving down on the road because you're seeing it through your eyes, through your glasses. And when it tells you to turn right, the arrow is going to be to turn right and you you turn right. This is what augmented reality is. Um, and Apple is is doing what's called a mixed reality, which mixes augmented reality with virtual reality into the, into the same glasses. Now, um, Apple has said, that when this Apple has said, uh, they're one of their business executives that within 10 years, the iPhone will be dead, that the iPhone will be any iOS device will be useless. And instead, everybody will have these Apple glasses, this augmented mixed reality. Mm. So within 10 years, within 10 years, one to two billion devices, because that's how many that's that's, that's how crazy. many iPhone devices, 10 billion or one billion, one to two billion. Um, and it's it's dead in a decade because we're all going to be, you know, right now we're checking text. Well, in a decade, we'll have glasses on and the text will pop up in front of That's our eyes. That's crazy. Um, I mean, they're they're even running patents right now. Uh, Apple has this patent where um, people who are in the same room, if they're wearing the Apple glass, instead of having a television on the wall, uh, augmented reality will project the TV through your glasses onto a blank space. Oh I actually word. don't need to buy a TV to watch TV. I'll be buying these glasses and I'll be able to share the experience audio and video in sync with other people in the room, which by the way, opens up this idea of, Hey, you know what? I'm on the road and I want to watch a TV show with my wife. Who's on the other side of the country, pop on an Apple glass. We're talking to each other, shared audio experience, watching the same visual experience. Um, or, I, I want to go to Starbucks and I want to have a conversation with my wife. She's hologram projected in the Starbucks chair in front of me. And I, I'm not looking at her flat screen. I'm looking at her hologram. Oh, my like, word. This is, and the, the thing is, you got to realize this isn't, this isn't a pipe dream. This isn't Star Trek. This isn't a hundred years from now. This is not the Jetsons. This is like stuff's already existing. They're just trying to finalize it. Wow. And, and so this is, the future is, and this is even a challenge against the physical church, because you tell me, hey, you know what, Jeff, it's weird. I put on these uh, like virtual reality and, and I'm, I'm talking to these avatars. I feel like I'm in a video game. Discipleship can't happen in this space. space. I hear you. But what happens when it's a hologram and it's your actual person? Like what happens when, when the, because where technology is going, it is tearing down the borders of location, of physicality. Hmm. Hmm. Like if if I watch a if I walk into a museum and I see a I don't know uh, a, this actually happened there's augmented reality uh, of Van Gogh there's a a, a a I'm sorry I said alternate um, augmented reality uh, Van Gogh museum that's traveling around right now so you walk in and you can see like all of Van Gogh's priceless pieces they're 16k scans ridiculously detailed. Like you, your act, but there's not one piece in the room from a, from a philosophical standpoint. Did I actually see Van Gogh? Not there, but I can see the grains of the brushstrokes in ways that I would, I'm seeing it better virtually than I would physically. Yeah. Man. And so like, these are the questions that, that we need to wrestle with yeah. as, as the church. And for the love of God, if we could actually get ahead of the curve for once, that would be great. Hmm. Man. So many things to think about, and uh, you just blew my mind a little bit. That um, I I can't imagine that, but here we are. So, so talk to two different subsets of people. So the first, the first would say, "Okay, Jeff. So I have I have um, VR goggles, and I've been playing a game on them. You know, whatever that game may be. Um, how do I? Where do I go to to find a church to?" What what do I need to do there with my with the current VR set that I have? Yeah, so right now the majority of churches that are operating are in alt space VR. 
And so you can download the Altspace app. It runs by Microsoft. Um, by the way, you can Google Altspace VR. Even if you don't have the headset, you can download this software. It works on Mac and PCs and you can go into uh, Altspace VR, no problem. And, and so, and on their event board, there's a number of churches that are operating. Pick one and, and run with it. You know, I'm friends with uh, DJ Soto VR Chat. I'm friends with Jason Poling and Goose over at Cornerstone. Uh, Lakeland VR, Stuart uh, McPherson's over there. Uh, Oasis Church, which is um, uh, he enables and uh, VR Tiger. Like there's 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 lots of examples of churches. Just check it out. But then, you know, on top of that, like even if it's the ministry context, um, look at um, go to a campfire. Campfires are big within Altspace VR culture. It's like you create this campfire, there's benches and you just sit around and you talk to like normal people about normal stuff. And, and so meet some people, have some conversations, like get the feel for actually being relational with people in this virtual reality community. And, and what you may find is, man, I'm, I'm really excited about this potential or you may find hey you know what this isn't this isn't for me yeah but those are those are the two ways to really start to get to test the waters good second group of people jeff i i don't have a vr headset uh where do i go what which one would you suggest you talk about alt space i can do that without a vr headset but would you encourage me to get one um, where can i go for that um, talk to that group of people yeah, so uh, Meta, Hori uh, Meta, uh, Meta Horizons, that's a world, sorry. Meta, Facebook, um, Oculus, they've had so many different names, it's, it's hard to keep them all straight. Uh, but there's a uh, there's a um, Oculus 2 uh, that runs for about uh, $300, $350 at this point. And that's kind of, that would be the startup headset. Um, Meta just came out with a uh, $1,800 headset. You don't need that one. Uh, Apple's is going to be very high on the price point. I would imagine when it comes out, uh, the rumor is that they've got a device that's coming out, uh, early next year, Q1 next year, Q2 next year. Uh, but it's what in typical Apple fashion, it'll be a very high price point. So <laughs> that $350 device, I think is probably going to be the, the cheapest and, and the, the best starter to get into the space. And, and to be honest, that's what I have. Uh, and, and so I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the quest actually, it's the quest too. And so that would probably be the one that I would recommend or that I do recommend for people that are, or that are wanting to kick the tires. Perfect. You can, like I said, you can get into alt space VR, but that's the only world that I know of that operates outside of, of the headset, all of the games, all of the, the immersive kind of approach, the, the overwhelming sense of, of you being in the headsets the the bigness of the world you know it does not happen on the small screen yeah. like you can you can get a taste of it but it's not until you put that headset on where you're like oh my gosh this is incredible yeah. and so i would encourage you all to to take the stab and give it a shot okay great finally talk about your your own work you've mentioned some books you've written um and talk about talk about that where can people find those um and you've talked about obviously all the VR worlds um, that that people can go to, and I'll include all of those. But um, but your work, kind of where where can people go to find that? Yeah, so uh, I've I've run. You mentioned earlier the Church Digital. That's probably the uh, the primary function of, of what I do. It's at thechurch.digital. We do a lot of blogging, podcasting, consulting in, in the space, and so we work with and help establish churches move into uh, a digital mindset and you go to thechurch.digital for that. If you're interested in planting, we've talked a little bit about that here. Uh, I, I work with uh, some strategic partners in running a, a digital church network, and we've got an online community where we gather hundreds of people who are thinking different and missional imagination and, and innovators in that space. And so you can go to digitalchurch.network for more information on that. Uh, the uh, Leadership Network has has published the book on virtual reality. I've got another book on being a digital and metaverse missionary coming out in January um, and all sorts of fun stuff. So the Church Digital has got some information on that, but also uh, go to uh, thechurch.digital slash VR book, and that'll get you straight to the book. Um, and then on social media, I'm Deerfedge, which is weird to say, but it's my name backwards, Jeff Reed. So okay. it's D-E-E-R-F-F-E-J. 
there's uh, lots of Jeff Reeds. And, and so like, yes. I couldn't be Jeff Reed. So I just, I became deer fetch and uh, that's, that's a thing. That's and if funny. you're imagining like in a deer, like doing something, that's not what it's about, but sure. You can, sure. you can let it. One of my good friends is named Jeff Reed. So um, no, yes, no there. Yep. Yep. So there uh, he's one of my small group leaders and, and one of my good friends. So um, yes, quite a few Jeff Reeds there. So so to finish, I have two questions I ask my guests. Uh, the first is, what is one thing that you are listening to, that you're reading, that you're experiencing right now, that's encouraging you or challenging you? Uh, that's interesting. Twitter. I, I, I would say Twitter 2.0 has been their 3.0 or 5.0, whatever, whatever it is. It's been really interesting for me. Uh, to see the evolution of this thing within the past two months, yeah. how this guy came in to be the the hero and the goat almost like overnight, um, and, and and some of, some of the pulse on that. I actually really like. Uh, it's going to sound bad, but I like Twitter um, in that it's you get the unfiltered version of people, um, and it's actually has been uh, just to to learn culture how people in Twitter view the church is fascinating to me. Hmm. Um, not, in a, not in a good way. It's, it's really kind of sad, yeah. uh, but it does speak. It does speak to man, what we think we're doing and what we're actually really accomplishing are two completely different things. Hmm. And, and so it's the, to just get the pulse pulse of the world right now. Uh, it's, it's been a lot of Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And then the title of my podcast is Raising Up the Next Generation. So who is someone that has seen you as the next generation, spoken into you, believed in you, um, empowered you? You mentioned Leonard Sweet earlier. You've mentioned some other some other people. But who's someone in your life that has spoken into you and made you who you are today? Oh, so many. I, I would—it's um, funny if you, if you buy the VR book, like the inside just totally— uh, call calls it out, but I, you know, there have been people that were supportive of me when they didn't even understand the stuff that I was talking about. Hmm. Um, and when, when COVID hit, I, I would have friends reach out to me and say, Hey, Hey, Jeff, you were Noah and you didn't even realize it because we was talking about a lot of this stuff. Um, and in, in many ways, COVID validated a lot of our work in, in digital planting and, yeah. and, and discipleship in that space. And so, um, man, just so many, uh, different friends that that have walked in. And that's one of the reasons why I think mentoring, um, apprenticing, disciple-making, multiplication, I think that's why a lot of that's so important to me. Yeah. And, and, and now as, as we're seeing that, how do we pass that on to to others that, that are wanting to go on that, on that same road? So definitely love what you're, uh, what you're talking about and what you're, what you're doing here with this show. This is great. Yeah. Well, good. Well, this has been a great conversation. Super, uh, just for me personally, just um, I have learned a lot and uh, it gets me excited and also a little bit um, like I'm I'm going into uncharted waters, but that's why you're there to chart those out for me and that I can step into that. So thanks so much for what you're doing and blessings on you and your ministry and every everyone you're pouring into. So appreciative for you. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule and joining me. Yep. Love it. Thank you. Uh, glad to do it. If you're anything like me, your brain is exploding a little bit. Thinking about the future of technology, thinking about how things are changing at such a rapid pace, those things are crazy, but what I was so impressed with and encouraged by is the way that God is moving in people's lives through digital discipleship, through digital church. I'm so thankful for Jeff and all of his work and the ways that he thinks about church. And I was challenged in a lot of ways to think outside of the box, to be more creative and think about those things. If you want to follow up on things that were talked about, you can go to the show notes. And if this was of particular interest to you and you would like to share that with others, I encourage you to do so. I know that it will be a blessing and maybe an eye-opening episode for some. I wanted to note the music that you listen to every week is done by my buddy Jordan Robson, and he and his wife Beth had a baby yesterday, so 
a big shout out to him as a new father, thankful for him, his friendship, and his musical talent. A new episode comes out on Thursday, but until then, blessings on you as you are raising up the next generation where you're at. See you then.